oh yeah do not do not right after watching this play the soundtrack while driving it is not a good idea i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore so you lie to yourself to be happy there's nothing wrong with that we all do it we all go a little mad sometimes come on one of you nuts has got any guts what's but a smile on that face you're only as healthy as you feel listen to me listen to you by what right because i have a right to be i have a voice Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So, this week, after we covered Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, we are taking a look at his newest release, which is Baby Driver. And to do that, I have the same guest as last week. Uh, I have Baruch from the Cinema Bun podcast, and he's back again. So, thanks for coming back so soon. The sequel that no one asked for. Just... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it just worked no. out that way. There are two movies I wanted you on, and they happened to quote unquote release back to back. If you can call, I, when did Baby Driver come out? Like twenty five years ago? Like three weeks ago? Like it yes. depends who you ask. Like it's been one of right. those really weird rollouts. So we get you yeah. two weeks in a row, which I think is good. Yep, yep. No, no, no. I'm glad to be back on. This is great. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, in case they didn't listen to our excellent review of The Bad Batch last week, which you absolutely should, whether you've seen the movie or not. Uh, why don't you tell people about your podcast and how they can listen online? Yeah. Uh, so I am the co-host of the Cinema Bun podcast. I co-host it with uh, Tanja Renee Stidham, and we review movies. Uh, we come out twice a week, Mondays and Fridays. Mondays, we review uh, a movie, usually a new release, sometimes an old one. And on Fridays, we uh, talk about recent movie news. Uh, so you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher Radio, on Google Play. Just search for Cinema Bun and you'll find us. And um, you can also check out our website, cinemabunpodcast.com. Okay, nice. So now we get into uh, Baby Driver. So I'm going to let you lead off because I think, am I right? Have you seen this twice now? Is that I have? You... I have seen it twice. Right. Yes, I, I got a chance to see an advanced screening like a couple weeks ago, and then I just saw it again today. <laughs> so after seeing this uh, this movie twice, what do you think of Edgar Wright's latest Baby Driver? I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was um, his most accessible film. Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I definitely agree. For with sure, that. yeah. And that's and that's and that's not at all a negative, um, but just just an aspect of the film that you know if if you're familiar with his his other films, um, Hot Fuzz actually being my favorite of his, uh, those films tend to be um, one a lot more comedic, mm -hmm. uh, but also just a little bit less accessible to an American general movie going audience. It's also straight uh, up satire, right? So if you yes, if you're into yes, that genre, yes. there's a lot of interesting in-jokes whereas this movie, I think it, there's definitely a genre to it. You have kind of the getaway, the heist, the the criminal genre, but I don't think you have to be a fan of those things to enjoy what's on screen here. No, no, it's much more straightforward um and, and than his other films. Uh so so yeah, really really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um I didn't think that the you know, soundtrack and syncing up to the music aspect was was a gimmick at all. It just mm -hmm. really felt natural to the film mm -hmm. and really felt like Edgar Wright um, did this uh, not just on purpose, but kind of like because he felt like it would um, enhance the film and be really fresh. And that's what right. it ended up being. So I, I really enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this movie. Like, I, I was a little worried because uh, some people I talked to uh, who will remain nameless because they used to be co-hosts on the show. Uh, we're, we're not we're not big fans of this at all. Like, just like I had to like mute his text messages to me, like just not pay attention because he kept like like just just poking at it and telling me how bad it was. And I'm like, you know, I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm just going to walk away from this conversation. I'm not going to engage. Um, and there there were some things that that I feel like if I was making this movie, I would change. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, I think Jamie Foxx is legitimately pretty bad here. I think he's the worst part of the movie. I think I think John Hamm is great. Uh, I think kind of all the other side characters are really interesting. Kevin Spacey is a great bad guy for the, for this movie, like a great heavy. Um, but Jamie Foxx plays a character that we've seen a million times before. It's the it's a part of the movie that to me didn't feel didn't feel fresh as you put it. it didn't feel original where it's like you've got the you know the bad guy who's kind of crazy and he's a loose cannon and I'm like okay I've seen this before and it was a little bit. It was a little bit too much for me. And one thing that my co-host said that I actually kind of agree with is the first half of this movie really leans into that 
um, that choreographed soundtrack where there, there's a particular scene with Ansel Elgort like walking down the street and you see lyrics like kind of graffitied on walls and him kind of dancing around and moving past these things. And that stuff is fucking fantastic. Like it is so well directed. It makes me wonder like how many takes did this, did this take to get right? Cause it's just right. pitch perfect. And I almost kind of wish that in the second half of the movie, they would have continued that they didn't, it went a more straightforward direction and a more straightforward kind of gangster film direction, but I still really enjoyed it. Like I, you know, I was, you know, kind of tapping my feet during the movie. I was smiling during the movie. I was, I was on the edge of my seat. Like I felt anxious during the car chases. Like this movie really, really worked for me. Like, is it a perfect movie? No, there are, there are problems like for, but for, for me, they are so minor that it never hindered my enjoyment of the movie. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it, we'll, we'll get into some of the, some of the issues um, that I had with the film as well. But, um, the, the Jamie Foxx one is an interesting one because I think you're right that it's something that we've seen before, especially from from Jamie. Like he's he's played mm. this type of character before. Right. But kind of it feels like in spite of that, his um, his antagonism towards baby and towards some of the other characters just for me worked really well, mm. um, even even if it wasn't fresh. Right. It it added to some of the like suspense in in certain scenes and it sure. felt really uh, visceral, uh, mm. it, just as far as like how baby was reacting to things and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, on that, on that side, I actually liked Jamie's mm. performance, but I think for I don't me, disagree that it's, I think for that, me, yeah. it probably would have been a less is more type situation. Like, mm-hmm. I think we have less moments from Jamie Foxx. I think they, they work better, but like they kept kind of coming back yes. to the well <laughs> over yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah. So who stood out for you as far as these, I mean, I think, I mean, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth again, but I think Ansel Elgort was like a so surprising at least to me like i was like how can someone named ansel be that cool that that shouldn't be possible like ever (laughs) in the history of film but he is great here like i was really worried about that because of course people know him from you know like ya stuff like uh the fault in our stars and this kind of sappy tear tear tearjerker type role uh and this is very different like this is very far from what he was doing before but i thought he really owned this part and who knows how much of that is due to him how much of that is due to the the direction and writing of edgar wright but that stuff all really worked but who besides him stood out to you as a memorable character or someone you wanted more of um definitely uh uh, john ham i mean his character really really stood out for me um Mm -hmm. and i i really enjoyed his you know uh uh pseudo arc yeah. Uh, that that uh, that the film follows him through, um, which I wasn't expecting. You know, you expect your your protagonist uh, uh, um, baby to go through an arc, um, but but not somebody like John Hamm, especially considering some of the like advertisements and stuff that we've seen. Right. So so that was really a pleasant surprise, and and his character, um, d- dissimilar to Jamie Foxx's character actually felt sympathetic yeah. you know in certain moments even though he so, does some of the worst things in the movie yes, like yes, he is yes. you know he is a criminal all these people are doing really bad things but there there definitely is something about john ham's portrayal here and especially given what happens during the movie that there are even though you are i don't think you're ever not rooting um for baby and deborah but there are certain moments where you're like okay i kind of get it like, look yeah. at what this guy has been yeah. through in the last week, like everything that has happened to him. And I think a lot of that is due to just John Hamm being a great actor and someone that I'm really upset hasn't gotten that big break in movies yet. Like, of course, he is so well known. It's ridiculous. I mean, Mad Men is one of the most well known TV shows and most highly thought of performances in TV right. history. But he just hasn't really grabbed the attention that that I feel like he deserves as an actor because he just he has so much charisma and even in this where he's like lost some weight and he's got the stubble and he looks a little withdrawn like he's not the like he's not the Don Draper that we're used to definitely but there's still something about him that your eye is drawn to him at all times yep definitely yeah um so what did you think of how the the action was choreographed? because that was like one of the big things about this movie is we were like oh it's gonna be you know this great soundtrack and it's and the action is really gonna tie into this like so did you feel like they they got what they were looking for here yes definitely and i mean coming into this film the action choreography and and stuff like that that i I was not worried about that at all i Mm -hmm. mean hot fuzz is my favorite edgar wright film and then um i love scott pilgrim 
versus yeah. the world as well. And and Edgar Wright has shown his ability to choreograph and and film action, even in those you know really comedic movies. Mm-hmm. So so I was not worried about that at all, and it it showed in this film to me. I mean, those car chases were were adrenaline pumping as as mm-hmm. as possible, and just. I, I loved it. And even even there's a foot chase in here that, oh. that also just... I was, I was hoping was, you were going to bring that up. Yeah. Yes. Because that yes. was like, when that first started happening, I was like, oh, God, I hope this works. Because all of the chases mm-hmm. in the movie are so dependent on car stunts. So you don't really have to worry about, you know, who's driving the car. Because obviously you have a stunt driver for those sequences. So And a lot of it's just going to be, okay, how well is this filmed? And I think, of course, Edgar Wright does a great job. Um, of like, you always kind of know where you are and there's a sequence that's kind of in the trailer where he figures out there's two other cars that look just like him, uh, just like his car yeah. and all of that stuff really works and it, and you're really rooting for them at that moment. And that stuff is great, but there is a, a chasing that is on foot, uh, with Ansel Elgort with, uh, with baby's character. And that stuff is also musically choreographed just wonderfully. Like every every time his foot hits the ground or hits a table, there is like a certain beat that is hitting just right. Uh, and it's just it's so much fun. Like you said, like it, it's blood pumping like you are. I there's not really a moment in this movie, even in the quiet moments where I was like calm as a viewer. Like you are always yeah. kind of ready for that next moment. I think the soundtrack really, really hammers that home. What a great soundtrack, too. Oh, my just... God. It's the first thing I did when I got out of the movie is listen to the soundtrack. Because I yes. was like, I could go online and get this because it's fantastic. It reminds me in a way, I mean, I think, of course, it's different, but it reminds me of a Tarantino soundtrack where it's these songs from a different era, most of whom, most of which you, you don't recognize. Like, there's, of mm-hmm. course, two or three songs on here I memorize, that I recognize. There's a there's yeah, a very yeah. white song that everybody has heard. Um, and even Baby Driver by Simon and Garfunkel. Like, I heard that, but I'm glad they, like, held that back till the moment they did. But there's a lot of other stuff here I had never heard or hadn't heard in years. And I was like, God, this is fantastic. I think we get, we get, we get to thinking like, oh, well, this band, whoever they are, they're greatest hits. You can just listen to that and you'll be fine. You'll know what you need to know. But that Queen song that they use on here is yeah. is great and it really works. And there's a sequence between uh, Baby and John Hamm's character where they're both listening to that track, which is actually one of my favorite moments in the entire film. And I think you talked about uh, like leaning into John Hamm's character and feeling like you, you feel for him. I think that moment really really helps you do that because you find out a little bit about his background and you see him connecting with baby and kind of defending him when Jamie Foxx's character is kind of going after him. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I love that little moment that in another director might just leave out because it's, it's not necessary for the narrative at all, but it is necessary for these characters. Yes, yes, it's it's extremely necessary for the characters. It gives John Hamm's character that extra depth that um, some of the other characters don't get, and which makes kind of the um, third act in the film really, really intense um, mm-hmm. for for the characters themselves and for their growth. So it's yeah, it was fantastic. The soundtrack, I did the exact same thing as soon as I left the theater. I mean, I had it playing. Um, while I was, you know, driving around, I'm going to Target. Just dangerous, I'm trying by the way. To, Don't I'm, do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to stop myself from just right? like drifting around, which I've never done. So <laughs> that would not end well. I don't think. <laughs> I've never practiced. All. I've never trained. Let me try nope. this once. <laughs> well, driving a Toyota Corolla, I'm like, you know what? Cinema Bun is canceled. That's <laughs> we're done. Part of my brain was like, you know, maybe you could. <laughs> you got this. I mean, if that kid could do it. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Do not do not right after watching this <laughs> play the soundtrack while driving. It is not a good idea. But I just it was it's fantastic. And it's 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 interesting um, that when you when you watch this movie and I think when you come out of it, you know, you've heard soundtracks or scores before that, you know, when you hear it, it reminds you of the film. Mm-hmm. But it feels more like, you know, it's it's the film. If, if we're going to relate it back to like a chicken and an egg scenario, it's like mm-hmm. the film came first and the then the soundtrack or the score with this. It really feels like the soundtrack came first and then the film like it really feels like the film the film is what is enhancing the soundtrack you know so to speak so yeah it's just it's it's beautifully done yeah Yeah. i think that's the difference between this and a tarantino movie like i think Mm -hmm. a tarantino movie you're like oh this is this soundtrack is so tarantino and that's the only thing you could ever think about whereas i could listen to this soundtrack disconnected with baby driver and still be like this is great this is so much fun which I think yeah. is the point of a movie like Baby Driver is fun. I actually talked to a couple friends of mine who were kind of nitpicking it 
And I was like, I just, and I understood the nitpicks and we'll probably talk about some of them later in our spoiler section, but this movie was exactly as advertised for me. What I was told is you will go to the movie and you will have a great time. And I did. I had a lot of fun during this movie. Like I was smiling the whole time. Like even, even in tense moments, I was like, this is, this is a ride. This is a jolt of energy. And it's something that after, especially the last couple of months in the theater, I really kind of needed this. Like I needed a movie where I <laughs> yeah. had a good time and it was a, it was a good product that was put out by, by a, by a creator that I respect a lot. Like Edgar Wright still has not made a movie I dislike. Like I've liked every single one of his movies. So, you know, he's still kind of on a roll for me. I guess the, the one thing I think we have to talk about before we go to spoilers is as far as motivations go in this movie, really what's motivating these characters is romance, is love, right? Mm, Especially yeah. baby. Like it's it's either love or familial ties or, you know, it's it's all about emotion, which is a kind of a common theme, especially in his movies that aren't in the Cornetto trilogy. We kind of talked about it this week when we did our Scott Pilgrim episode where everyone right. is moved forward by emotion and the same thing here. So if the romance between baby and Deborah doesn't work, I think this movie is still impressive, but not good. <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah. oh, those the sequences were great, but uh, who cares? Um, you have to care about this couple. So do you think the romance worked between these two? Honestly, not not really. Mm. And, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think the way that it's written or the way that the, the characters get together I don't really believe or I don't I don't really connect with or uh yeah you mean their original but, meeting like in the diner like that didn't that didn't work yeah right? the, 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 well not just the original meeting yes that but I think they're just um growth as a couple mm. but their acting I I connected with that in mm. their chemistry together and how they play off of each other right. I bought that so I you just felt like buy... you felt like the arc was too quick like the way their relationship yes. moved forward to this couple that loves each other and is like willing to die for one another like that was too quick. for Very, you. very quick. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I so I yeah, I did not buy I that. See that. I bought them as actors acting together. Right. And and the chemistry and, and them playing off. I, I bought that for sure. And that worked. Um, so mm -hmm. that was that was enough for me. But when I think about the progression as far as a, a plot standpoint right. uh, yeah sure. it was like well, that i'm not sure i buy, i buy that what about you yeah yeah i i think thinking back i i would agree with that there's a particular moment it's in the trailer where somebody asks if he loves her and he says yes uh and the point of the movie that that happens is relatively late but it's still kind of like really i mean like yeah just met like i get wanting to run away together like that stuff is i mean that's young love in a nutshell like that stuff really works and and their conversations, the dialogue between the two of them, when they're kind of when they're talking about music and they're talking about, you know, songs that feature their name. I thought that stuff was all really charming and really worked. And the two of them together are great. Like you can tell there is a there's a chemistry between them that really works. And that was actually something I was really worried about with Ansel mm -hmm. Elgort because he comes off as this kind of like passionless, uh, personalityless <laughs> person, especially in. <laughs> In the public eye, where you're just kind of like, what do you have to offer? But he really, he really showed me something in this movie. Yeah. Like he really does have a lot of charm, and I'm like, okay, like I don't think he's attractive, but I get it now. Like I get, I get the the allure of Ansel Elgort. Those are words I never thought I'd say, but I kind of get it after this movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's cool. He he can dance. He's kind of smooth. He's got a good smile. Like that stuff between him and Lily James, like really, really worked. And also the other couple in this, I think John Hamm and Aisa Gonzalez also really mm -hmm. works. And even though she does some things where you're like, oh, she is that crazy girl. Like she is trouble. You do not want to mess around with her or even be dating her. That's a bad call because she's going to get you in some bad situations. But they had a lot of chemistry too. But like, I don't trust anyone that doesn't have chemistry with John Hamm. Like, how can you not? So. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, it, uh, like I said, yeah, the, that romance works completely well for me because mm -hmm. also Al and and Lily James, their performances work well together. Yeah. So I, I I bought it and it and it worked for me. Um. So so it was all good. Yeah. You know, yeah. Thankfully. All right. Uh, I think we're going to spoilers in a second here, but I think both of us like obviously recommend this movie. It is a great time at the theater. You saw it twice uh, and yep. don't. And, yep. and if you see a movie twice and you're not bored of it, that's pretty good. And that's the one thing I could say. I don't think you'll be bored when you watch this movie. Like even if you're not no. a big fan of it, it is. There's a lot going on, and there's a and it's one of those movies I want to see a couple more times because I know there are so many little things that I missed uh, on first viewing. Like even that that sequence we were talking about where he's kind of dancing through the streets, like. It took me two or three like references to figure out, oh, wait, 
oh, this is like literally the lyrics of the song is what's going on. This is like a little mini music video. So I'd love to kind of watch that from the beginning to kind of experience it again. Yeah, I caught a couple of things on Second View, too, which yeah. which was which was awesome. And that's the thing with Edgar Wright films. You you can do that because there are so oh, yeah. many subtle jokes and subtle setups all throughout his film that on multiple views, you'll always catch something new, which right. is awesome. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's go to spoilers. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. I'll peek at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right. So, you know, we kind of talked about John Hamm's arc, like his 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 wife, we find out later in the film, uh, dies during the kind of the beginning of the third act and him trying to trying to kind of, I think, in his mind, make things right um, by, you know, by by killing baby, essentially, because he feels like he's he's at fault for this, which he kind of is. I mean, like, yeah. he definitely is. He definitely he's kinda, very, he yeah, screwed them. <laughs> I mean, he really did. You understand why he does what he does. And I think you get a certain rush when uh, Jamie Foxx meets his end because you're kind of waiting for him to get oh, his yes. for the whole, like, please, somebody shoot this guy. Like every time something <laughs> yes. bad happens, like make this stop. Uh, and the way definitely. he goes out is pretty epic uh, and pretty, pretty amazing to watch. Um, but I was wondering what you thought of, like, because the John Hamm seeking revenge, it goes on for a long time. I mean, this is like probably 30 minutes of the movie of him constantly chasing Baby uh, and, and Deborah and trying to trying to get to them. So did that stuff all work for you? Did you feel like it went on too long? Did it did it satisfy you as a viewer? It did. It did satisfy me. Um, for one, because it was kind of a surprise that he was such a main part of the mm-hmm. story. Um and I was actually because, to interrupt you for a second. I was actually yeah. about halfway through this movie, like legitimately angry because I thought John Hamm was gone from the movie. Like because oh, he yeah. does the first job with them, and then the next job, I'm like, "Where is John Hamm? This is bullshit." <laughs> I signed onto this for John Hamm, but then, like you said, he becomes a huge part of this movie and a much bigger part than like a uh, much bigger part than Jamie Fox or Aisa Gonzalez was. But, yeah, yeah. So you thought you thought he was going to go the way of uh, John Bernthal? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I would have been so angry. Oh, that's something we. Didn't talk about though John Bernthal. See, that is the that is the loose cannon I want. I think he's great. I think he's threatening and terrifying, and you get why people keep their distance. And I think with Jamie Foxx, it was just like you. Okay, you told people you were crazy long enough that people believe you now because my name's Bats. Like, okay, okay, whatever. Like, (laughs) there 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 was definitely a decent amount of telling. Like that was just like, all right, we get it. I got the demons in here. I got voices. I was like, oh Jesus, (laughs) get it. Okay. All right. But I mean, yeah, the actions that he did that were crazy were, were very effective. Yes. And and again, like you said, it was so satisfying to see him go oh, because yeah. it was so <laughs> goddamn just bad. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the John Hamm thing second, it, it works so well because we get a lot of setup early on. Um, one that he's sympathetic and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, is when he defends baby and, mm-hmm. and things like that, we, we kind of like him. We know yeah. he's a bad guy. We know he's a thief, yada, yada, yada. But definitely but we, we like, like him. him. Yeah. We like him. And then we see so often his his admiration of, of um, uh, what's her name? Why am I forgetting her name? Uh, his girl, um, Darling. Darling, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see that. And so we understand his, his pain mm-hmm. at that point once she's dead. So yeah. even though it, it, it was long, yes. <laughs> it was long. It was still kind of exciting for him to just like keep getting up like a Terminator. Like, yeah. why, why, why well, are you fucking not- dumbass baby shoots him in the shoulder? I'm like, what? no, this yeah. is not the guy. This is not the guy you wound. Like, <laughs> he lost his wife, and it is your fault. This is the guy you kill. Like, this is yeah. it. But yeah. I guess like they have to keep baby like relatively blameless during this movie. Uh, like, he never really, except for the Jamie Fox kill. Like, he never really does anything directly that he knows is going to kill someone. Like, he's constantly trying to avoid that. It's what puts him and Jamie Foxx's character, Bats, at odds for the entire movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of on the opposite, kind of on the opposite spectrum, there's a lot of like, oh, Baby is such a, you know, he's 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 involved in this world, but he's such a good guy. He's so mm. good and great. And so now that i'm now that i'm thinking about it, it's 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 really nice the the kind of uh comparison or the really polar opposite way that baby and bats in a way are kind mm-hmm. of showcased right um baby on the one end there a lot of people talk about him 
um, as this just, you know, really good guy. And I mean, after after knowing him for like five minutes, in some cases, (laughs) such a great guy. I know you have a good heart. And then Bats, on the other hand, just wants to tell everybody how bad he is. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess the one of the last things I want to talk about is Kevin Spacey's character. So this is the thing that a lot of my friends who contacted me were really upset about uh, the way this movie ends. Um, how Kevin Spacey eventually ends up kind of coming to the rescue um, for for Baby and Deborah. Did that work for you, or was that too much of a stretch? It was a bit of a stretch. Okay. And I'll say, as soon as I left the theater, I thought it was too much of a stretch. And then I, I don't know if this is me just trying to give Edgar Wright the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. but I wanted I wanted it to work right. <laughs> in my mind. Sure. So I thought more about it. The only thing that can, kind of like works uh, uh, with that is that um, Doc, I, guess, I think is mm-hmm. the character's name, um, was always always defending baby in front of like other people and always going to bat for him. So, so he clearly uh, on some level really cares for baby at, at the very least in front of others, right? He doesn't, right. he doesn't allow other people to talk shit about him and things like that. Right. So, so he cares about him and, and he's been working with him for so long that it's, you know, uh, it's, it's not too, too much of a stretch to see him in the end, Kind of be like, okay, fine. I see that you're just in love with this girl, and you're young and whatnot, and you're all paid up. So I guess right. I will sacrifice myself for you. That, that it's it's still a stretch for me, but not as much as I thought initially. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So this is a moment that I understand the people who are upset about it. I get it. Yeah. But I definitely didn't have that reaction. I think there is mm. enough character building moments there. You mentioned him being kind to him in front of other people, but he also, he easily could have embarrassed him a number of times after these jobs were over and he chose not to. He was like, come to my car with me and we'll split the money then instead of mm-hmm. being like, here's your cut, get the fuck out of here. Like he would do with anyone else. I guarantee you a bats owed him money. He would not save his feelings. He would, he would not care. He would just be like, okay, now get the fuck out of here. Whereas with baby, he, I think he views him a little bit like a son. And I think that came through to me in their interactions. Like I get that. Yeah, he did, you know, he threatened Deborah's life, but I I think he felt like, I think he felt like that's the way to get, to get baby here. It's like this misguided, like tough love thing going on is that he feels like this is the best life for him because he's, this is his talent and he's so good at it and he wants to bring him in and selfishly. He wants the best driver available on all these jobs. But like if you look at it like he's the one who he brings in on every single job since they met, there's something to that. And it's not just that Baby is a great driver. It's also that at some level he gives a shit about him. You know, and I think this is a reminder of who he was when he was first starting his life of crime. And I think there is a pointed reason he allows Baby to see his family. And he doesn't do that with anyone else. Like, I think there is a trust there and there is there is a weird misguided love there. Mm-hmm. So his sacrifice didn't bother me. It surprised me. But it wasn't one of those things where I'm like, oh, well, this doesn't make any fucking sense. What a bunch of nonsense. Like, it, I never had that reaction. So and, you know, gave, you know, Kevin Spacey a great set of sequences with a shotgun, which are great. Yes. I thought, you know, his death was a little rough. Like, it just kept happening. Like, Very. just like <laughs> you get shot and then run over and flipped in the air. And there's there a lot going on there. Uh, but that stuff, it still worked for me. Like, is it a strong point of the movie? No. Could they could they have done more? To kind of hammer that home, yeah, definitely. They could have done more with that relationship. But I so bought into the relationship bits that they showed between them that I was totally fine with it. And I was glad that, you know, somebody actually helped these people instead of just like, oh, one more person. I was afraid it was going to be like one more person trying to kill Baby and Deborah. Like, I was like, I don't need that. We have enough bad guys. So it was was nice to see him be a human being and not just a stereotypical mob boss. Do you think I'm curious, do you think if if uh, baby had called his bluff, do you think that he would have went went uh, went ahead and like, you know, uh, uh, broken his legs and all that stuff, all the things that he threatened him with? I don't think he would have. I really mm-hmm. don't. I think I think baby would have disappeared from that world. He never would have hired him again if he called his bluff. But I just never like I mean, he is Kevin Spacey is a scary guy when he wants to be. And those scenes really work when he's kind of talking about what he's going to do or even the scenes where he's going up to people and saying, you know, I vouch for him and that's enough. You know, like, okay, (laughs) good enough for me. But I think a lot of that with Baby, especially especially after he's paid up, 
I think a lot of that is bluster and a lot of that is wanting him to bring him in. He might have done those things if Baby had tried to get out of work when he still owed him money. Because I think that takes precedence for him above everything sure. else because that's disrespect. But I think after that, like, I think I think he cares about him. I really do. That stuff, that worked for me. And I like that he threw in that line, like, I was in love once. Like, I get it. Like, I get why you're doing what you're doing. It's still stupid. I did like that line. But, yeah. you know, I get it. So that yeah. stuff worked for me. But, like I said, if it didn't work for listeners of the show, I totally get that. Because it is, it is asking a lot of the audience, I think, in that moment. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, did you have a favorite scene? Mm. Oh, that's a really good question. I really <laughs> liked, um, I mean, there's a bunch, obviously, like there are a yeah. bunch of things I really like, I can't wait to watch this movie again, but honestly, it's simple, but I really think my favorite scene is that kind of introduction of Ansel Elgort, like dancing through the streets and the kind of music video-esque scene that goes on there. And I also, but I also really like the, the, the car and then on foot chase that happens later in the movie. Like, I just think that is so well done. And there's some character beats in there, which are great with him, like giving the purse back, you know, like I just, Mm -hmm. I loved all those little moments. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot there to like, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the, the intro like coffee run scene Mm -hmm. is definitely one of my favorites. Um, I think, I think it's definitely either that it's a tie between that and probably the, the intro car chase scene. Oh yeah. It was it was a like slightly disappointing because I think that's my favorite car chase scene in the entire film is that first one. And it was so in, it a lot of it was like, in the trailer too. Like a lot yeah, of a lot of it is in the trailer, and yeah. then it's at the beginning of the film, so it's like yeah. start start high, and then. Yep. <laughs> but but all the other I mean the, the other car chase seasons were great. Just this one was like a little bit higher for me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that beginning it just started off. The movie started off so strong for me, just like, right. yes, I want this. I want more of this. Let's go. And and we got that. Yeah. yeah. And also John Hamm's death. I think that scene worked really well. Uh, and I was glad that um, that Lily James like actually played a role in that. Like, you know, gets the crowbar and beats yeah. the shit out. I was like, all right. Yeah. We didn't have just like baby saving the day. We actually had her standing up for him, too. So I liked that that relationship was a little more even than you see in most movies like this. I had forgotten about that because other than that, I know that that was a that was a bit of an issue that I had with mm. her character is just Same. I didn't feel like she did much of anything. I was so happy she, when they had that shot when she grabbed the crowbar. I was like, yes, finally. Like even if this doesn't yeah. work, even if something terrible happens, I'm glad she finally had some agency and did something instead of just yes. wait around for baby to show up and he keeps like not showing up. Like I'll be there too. Uh, well, maybe not. Like it's just like <laughs> literally Jesus. the the entire rest of the film is her just waiting around <laughs> like when are we going on that road trip like the- <laughs> i don't know yeah exactly yeah so i like that i like that like if originally they set it up where john ham is going to fall inside the car to his death and i love when like he gets knocked off he literally falls inside this burning car like i thought that was really like it kind of played with your expectations a little bit which was nice Yes. Yes. Oh, and I, and I, I really, I really enjoyed, this is not one scene, but just the fact how, um, there's a lot of foreshadowing, but also baby taking lines and sentences from other people mm-hmm. or other like TV shows that he watched and yep. using them again. Oh, the, the Monsters film. Inc. moment. Yes, yes. The Monsters Inc. was, definitely. was, yeah, that's, that's definitely the most obvious one, but there yes. were other like more subtle ones that I, some of which I caught the first time right. and others that I didn't catch till the second time I watched it. I was like, oh man. Nice. And that's just <laughs> Edgar Wright. That's just yes. so Edgar Wright. Like that just, that is his style. So I was glad that, that that was there too. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, so that's it for our review of Baby Driver. Uh, one more time before we take a break, why don't you tell people how to find you online? Yes. Um, you can find my podcast, Cinema Bun. Uh, just search for Cinema Bun on Google or go to our website, cinemabunpodcast.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethiopian Boy. Uh, I tweet things and stuff so follow you're me you're unlocked twitter now my I goodness i unlocked now i Ooh. lied to your i lied to your listeners last week cuz i said <laughs> i was locked and i was and then pretty much like the next day i think after we recorded i unlocked it <laughs> cuz i was thinking to myself it's the summer it's summer yeah, break maybe this is a good time to be unlocked <laughs> not a shot Nice. Once once the school year starts, that guy, lock, <laughs> lock it that back up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yes, I'm unlocked now. This is your chance to 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 see my see my account. Uh, just without and you can actually retweet up. things that that yes. post now. So oh that's good. God, yes. Twitter is just a whole new world now. Yeah, exactly. 
All oh, right. Um, so we are going to take a break and then we will have Britt back on, hopefully, as, if things go well with Fangirl Fixation. And of course, we'll take a look at what's coming out next week. But the movie for her film education this week will be a little bit different because she's not a monster and has seen all of Edgar Wright's movies. Um, so we couldn't just pick another Edgar Wright movie because she's seen, you know, it's got Pilgrim, the Cornetto trilogy, all that stuff. She's seen all that good stuff. So we are taking a look at another kind of cool heist movie and we're looking at out of Sight, uh, starring George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez uh, from 1998. So stay tuned for that. Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Bernadette, and we're the AB Film Review. We're a weekly film review and discussion podcast from Perth, Western Australia. We're a married couple who like to spend our Saturday evenings avoiding reality by discussing and often arguing about the latest films and some classics. And getting closer to divorce. Uh, you can find us on the Podbros Network at podbros.com, also on Twitter at AB Film Review, Facebook AB Film Review, and our website abfilmreview.com. That's a lot of ABs. That's it. All right, so we're back after our break, so now it's time for Fangirl Fixation with Britt. Hi, Britt. Huh? Hello. What? This is when you say hi. Huh? Yeah, good. That was almost hi. What? Uh, hi. That's close mm-hmm. enough. Um, so is there anything you want to talk about uh, other than your film education and the movies coming out this week? She's well, also just... petting our dog like she's <laughs> Dr. Claw with his cat. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I need the other dog that has a softer head, but that's, that's fine. true. Um... Ooh, I watched a new anime recently while I was being sick from the last podcast, and mm-hmm. that was awesome. I basically found, like, my spirit animal in an anime, and so now I need a hamster cape. Of course you do. What's this ridiculous show called again, which I was, like, halfway watching? So, problem is, I can't remember what it's actually called. Oh. Like, I think it's called, like, Umaru, and then something something Humato. I don't, I don't like, it's like, it's a longer name and I can't, and I can't remember it, but it's about like this really popular girl. Like she's, she's super pretty and everybody thinks she's like a model or a celebrity or something when she's outside, like when she's going to school and stuff. She's basically just Brett in a nutshell right there. Shut up. That's I mean, not the part that's me. <laughs> and you know it and you're being a jerk. Um, but then when she gets home, she like turns into this like slob geek girl. Mm. Well, not like a complete slob, kind of lazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And she's like obsessed with snacks and cola and playing video games and reading manga. And and then she loves cute little fat hamsters and she wears a little hamster cape. And that's that's the part that's me. Yep. That is definitely you. So that has been Brit's, Brit's happy this week, which she has needed when I'm she's gonna, been yeah. sick. I'm going to be sad when it's over. I only have like four more episodes. That is a tragedy. It is. Yeah. Hazel's very upset about it, too. Yeah, apparently her dog is, like, groaning. Um, So now we'll move into your film education this week. So, um, of course, earlier in the episode, we did our review of Baby Driver, which is an Edgar Wright movie. And unfortunately, like, for once, you, you like, you know, fulfilled your obligations as a a movie fan. And you've, like, seen all the Edgar Wright movies. I have. So I couldn't, well, you've watched um, Scott Pilgrim, you've watched uh-huh. the like three in the Cornetto trilogy, Shaun yeah. of the Dead and all that. Yeah. Like, oh, so, all right. That's still, see, I just don't remember names. I'm like, I, yeah. I'm like, I have watched So all you've seen and enjoyed a lot of his work already. So I couldn't right. just be like, what's another uh, movie by this great director? Like, nope, we got to pick something else. So I wanted to pick a kind of like stylish heist movie that's a little bit similar to Baby Driver, although Baby Driver is kind of its own, its own thing in a lot of ways. So we're taking a look at a movie called Out of Sight. From 1998, which was uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh uh, and stars most notably George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez, but also Ving Rhames. And there's a bunch of other people you would yeah. automatically recognize, especially if you've seen this type of movie. Yep. Um, so so what did you think of Out of Sight and what were you thinking going in to uh, watching it? Because you said you like you might have watched it before, but you weren't sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I felt about it how I thought I was going to feel about it. Hmm. Um because I like I hit a point where I was very clearly over George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez movies, and I'm mm. like, well, now it's going to be a movie with them together. <laughs> uh, so, See, sir, my George Clooney thing went the other direction. Like this, I think, is when I started liking him. Whereas, like his like stint on ER and you know that kind of stuff, I was kind of like not interested at all. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't remember exactly when I was over him, but it happened like more recently, like in the mm. last ten years. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, I was pretty much over, like, once Made in Manhattan happened. I think, honestly, this is the, and, you know, you can argue this, of course, but I, I feel like this is the only, her only film role where I'm like, she's actually really good here. 
Like, I think she, this is a good performance Because she actually had depth and wasn't just, yeah. like, the romance with the big booty. I mean, right. she still was kind of that in this, but yeah. she got to be an intelligent U.S. Marshal. Yeah. So, yeah. And, like, and, of course, make some questionable choices, otherwise there's no movie. Yeah. But, like, I, I liked her in this. So, overall, like, the movie itself is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I think most people will like it. I have okay. my own personal bias against it. So, you feel like your bias against George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez, like, so, got so, in the yeah, way? Yeah, so I was already kind of, like, agitated going into it. Sure. Plus, like... Like, the, again, the pacing of it was weird. Hmm. It felt like it was way longer than it was. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I was actually kind of glad that I started feeling not good and we had to take a break from it because mm. I was getting to a point where, like, I don't care anymore. I just don't. I feel like it definitely, it starts a bit slow, I think. Like, you have the you have the kind of prison break and the, the very well-known scene of the two of them in the, tr- in the trunk. But then yeah. there's, like, a 20-minute period there where, it, like, it asks a lot of you. I think, yeah. and to go along for the ride. And then it kind of ramps up in that third act, for sure. Like, the end of the movie, I think, moves really quickly. And it's pretty sad. Yeah, the, the end of the movie did. But, like, at that... But we were already, like... For me, it was once we were in, like, an hour. Yeah. That, yeah. that then it was like, okay, now it's interesting. And it shouldn't mm-hmm. take an hour of me watching a movie before I'm interested in it. At okay. least for me. Um, obviously, I was making judgments against the uh, questionable 90s fashion, such yeah. as frosted mm-hmm. lipstick. Yes, there's a lot of that in her uh, her coat that and, you were commenting on. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, because at one point I had a blue pleather like mm-hmm. suit, like suit. That is very made. late nineties, man. And That's... it was metallic blue pleather, and yep, and it just made me like hate my eleven year old self. <laughs> Damn you, J Lo, <laughs> <laughs> giving me self esteem issues yep. decades later. That's... Yeah. <laughs> so, so I can I think I can assume you weren't like huge fans of George Clooney or Jennifer Lopez. Were there side characters that you liked more than them? That I you like were Buddy. Buddy's great. Ving Rhames, I think, he's one of those actors I really wish had ended up with a bigger career. Like, I think he has a fair amount of charisma. I think he's really funny. Yeah. And I think he's got, like, great physicality, too, because he's, like, this big, broad guy. So he can he can play a lot of different roles. He can play that up and play, like, the, the kind of bad guy, or he can play that down and do the humorous side. And I think yeah. he does a little bit of both here. And yeah, I, think he's... I like that a lot in this movie. Yeah. I also like the uh, the ex-wife. I did like, because I like oh, yeah. the, I like the chemistry between... Catherine Keener. Yeah, yeah she's her really and George Clooney. Like, I like that. Like, it made sense of, like... Eh, we just never had that spark. Right. Uh, but, like, their chemistry in the movie, like, that made sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they made that work. Yep. Which would, I think, is harder than, like, faking that you are romantically involved with somebody. Much. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a much more complex relationship yeah. than you see in most movies like this. Yeah. Where it's, like, someone you married and you, you know, obviously had this intimate relationship with and you still enjoy their company, but there's not that romance there. Like, there's a lot of levels to that, Yeah, I think. I think my favorite relationship actually is um, Karen Sisko, Jennifer Lopez, and her father, um, played yeah, by Dennis was, Farina. Yeah, that was pretty good, too. Yeah, like, I just love their give and take, and where, you could tell. It where felt Dave's like, moment is like, this is you and your dad. Yep, it's so where, Like, as soon as, like, as soon as he, he gives her a gun God, for yeah. her birthday or whatever it was. Yeah, I just think the best relationships in movies, they feel like there are years behind it and years ahead of it. And you could, there was just all this, like, baggage is the wrong word because baggage is, is a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. But just like there's all this stuff that you know is there that is never talked about, but you feel the history of that relationship. Right. And I was just, I was really impressed. I love how he kind of would constantly kind of give her shit like a, like a, like a dad who gets along with his daughter would. Like, gee, I wonder why he would come back. I wonder what you would do in that situation. Like, he knows exactly yeah. what his daughter is doing. And even if the choices aren't the best, he's going to support her. And I love that relationship all the way. And how he treats Michael Keaton's character. Oh, yeah. I was like, going to say that was my oh, favorite man. part. Like, Fantastic. With, with the, uh, the subtle, not subtle, like, I know that you're married and you're having an affair with my daughter. Right. Yeah. I mean, I and I remember we were watching it. This is one of those movies I haven't seen probably since about 2000. So it's been almost 20 years since I've seen it. And there's so many people that show up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot they were in this. Like, Michael Keaton showing up. Don Cheadle, uh, you know, playing the uh, criminal and ex-boxer. Uh, Maurice, like playing, like I mean, I, it makes me wonder, like if that role would fly now. It feels like a bit of an ethnic stereotype yeah. going on, you know, like the the kind of stereotypical like tough black gangster. Like it was just like, oh, I've seen this so many times, but I think he carries it off. Like I think Don Cheadle's another really charming performer, mm-hmm. and even though he's doing terrible things, I was just like, this guy's great. Like <laughs> I just I just love this. Guy. It's fine. He can, yeah, he can murder whoever he wants. That's right. I'm, I'm good with that. Did you have any, like, favorite moments or favorite scenes? 
No, you didn't like, there wasn't anything that stood out in like the scene in the trunk. You didn't like kind of the, the final oh, shootout. Yeah, I thought it... was stupid. What? I hated the trunk stuff. Really? Why yeah. did you hate that? That's because the it's scene all, everyone talks because about. Because it's all focused on George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. I'm like, Murph. Oh, that's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. What about the way the movie wraps up? Um, where like you kind of expect them to ride off in the okay, sunset all right, together that was, So my favorite part was when she shot him in the leg. You just like to see George Clooney in pain. <laughs> Yes. Don't lie. <laughs> All right. So we'll kind of move on to, I think, like our usual questions. Like, do you think this is a great movie? Like, like say in your head, like cast someone else as these main characters. Is this a great movie? I don't think it's a great movie, but it's a good movie. Okay. Like, it's, it's not something that should be winning awards and shit, but it's definitely enjoyable for the most part. Right. I think the movie really relies on its script a lot. I think it's a really yeah. smart script no yeah their dialogue's really good which is what you do not see too much in movies anymore right and it makes sense because it's based on an elmore leonard uh novel he also wrote get shorty um that's the movie i kept thinking about while i was watching this because dennis farina is in that too Mm -hmm. um but it i think uh soderbergh does a really does some interesting things with like these either quick cuts or long cuts there's all these like pauses like as a scene ends and you kind of feel like what are we trying to say here why yeah the the fade out and blackouts were a little weird yeah, for me he definitely makes some interesting choices yeah in there for sure yeah um so what about do you see uh do you see this movie's effect on more recent movies or did you see anything in this that you felt like you had seen before in older movies well george Clooney did all those oceans movies afterwards mm-hmm. so i feel like that character like i think he i feel like he pulled a lot from this character for that oh character. i could definitely see that i think i think uh danny ocean is um, much more self-assured than this yeah. character, but there's certainly some things he does in here that I was like, I get, now that you say that, I can totally see that carrying over, especially this kind of like guy who is really good at what he does, but he's kind of love struck yeah. and is maybe making some choices that wouldn't be the best professionally yep. because of, because of this woman in his life. Like, I think my favorite moment in the whole movie is the scene in the elevator where the elevator opens. Oh, he does and like just the, that little yeah, halfway. Okay, yeah, like, that was uh, one of my that was one of my favorite moments. Too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a good call though. I could definitely see. And also, um, the director directed Oceans Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen. So there you go. Not only the same, oh. one of the same stars, but the same director as well. And you didn't even know that. So so well done. I'm magic. You are. You are magic. All right. Um, so that's it for Brit's film education. So not a huge fan of Out of Sight, but an enjoyable experience still. Still a good movie. Yeah, I was, and also because I was sick, so it was probably harsher on it. Sure. All right. Um, so now we will move into the movies coming out this week. And there are three. One of them in limited release, and the other two are plain most places. Um, so the first is A Ghost Story, um, which is written and directed by David Lowry uh, and stars Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. And this is kind of a reunion of sorts because they were all involved in another movie in 2013 called Ain't Them Body Saints. Um, but you would know David Lowry because he directed the most recent version of Pete's Dragon, of all things. Oh. So, yes, very different. Very. This yeah. one looks very different from Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon it's was his, I guess, his studio a, film. Is a very understated... <laughs> right. Uh, so the, the definition on, or the, the synopsis on IMDb says, In this singular exploration of legacy, love, loss, and the enormity of existence, a recently deceased white-sheeted ghost returns to his suburban home to try to connect, reconnect with his bereft wife. So did you get any of that from the trailer? Like, does that make sense, like what I just read? Yes. Mm-hmm. I did not get that from the trailer until, like, maybe sort of to the end. Mm-hmm. I... I Overall, my initial response to that trailer was, what the fuck did I just watch? I think that's literally what you said out loud. Yeah. When we saw well, it in the yeah. theater. So, <laughs> so um, I, I think that No, I think what you said, up. this is funny, because what you said was, I'm so confused. Yeah. And I leaned over, and I'm like, you're supposed to be. It's okay. It's an art film. That's, yeah. that's how these things work. Yeah. Yes. Um, so for me, I mean, I'll let you, of course, talk about like what you think and if you want to watch it. But for me, this is either going to be one of the best movies of the year or pretentious garbage. And I don't know which one it's going to be. And I don't think there's any in between. <laughs> I, I, especially with like the last couple of shots with the, uh, the skyscraper, it's going to be pretentious garbage. Okay. All right. Just... So not looking forward to this one, huh? No. No? Mm-mm. What do you also think? Also, that of... sheet's stupid. Well, I mean, I, all right. Well, I mean, I think that's, it's. It's more symbolic than anything else. I don't care. All right. Um, I'm not going to try to convince you. But what do you think of, in general, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara as actors? Are they people you like seeing on screen or people that you're like kind of like, eh, I can take them or leave them? 
I enjoy Casey Affleck for sure. Mm -hmm. Even when he has like some mannerisms of his brother and makes me want to punch him in the face. Yeah, but he's a better actor. Than exactly. Like he has he has actual Ben is um, the director and Casey's the actor. Yeah, like Ben Affleck as a director is amazing. He's great. Yeah. Um yeah, and Casey Affleck has way more depth as an actor. And who would have thought that scene like, you know, uh the first one of the first movies I ever saw him in was Goodwill Hunting, where he played like the the annoying like I think I can't remember if he was Ben Affleck's brother, that but he was like a relative, and like right. he got, you know, his big moment is uh, wanting roast beef sandwiches and getting caught masturbating in a catcher's mitt. Like that's yeah. that's your intro to Casey Affleck, and he's become now an Oscar-winning actor. Yeah. So who knew? <laughs> um, Rooney Mara, I know I've seen her and stuff. My brain's blanking. Um, let's see. So Rooney Mara, um, the the movie most people know her from now is Carol. Um, she was I in. I never got to see that. Uh, she was in the Social Network. She was in the very beginning. She was the girl that was that getting was really dumped off. yeah mm. um or she was dumping him yeah she yeah, was she dumping, dumping him. him yeah and then facebook was revenge yes um she was in a movie called side effect she was in the girl with the dragon tattoo Which i mean she was in lion last year she was the voice of the sisters and kubo in the two strings like she's you know she's done a lot of and somehow i've pretty much not seen any of this yeah all right well, she's also in the remake of nightmare on elm street but no one should watch that yeah i didn't see terrible. that either good so i guess i'm gonna have to watch some of her movies yeah you should we should watch carol i think we're gonna find a way to work carol into brit's film education because it is a legitimately great great movie um and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those movies where i'm spending more time looking at your reactions yeah, than i am the movie because i've seen it like, like four watching, or five times watching your face right now i know that's what's gonna yep, happen you're gonna annoy the crap out it's of me. totally gonna happen so, ghost story. So, maybe we'll hold back on whether Britt wants to see it until she sees, like, Carol or another Rooney Mara movie. Right. But, like, as of right now, like, kind of like, eh, that doesn't really look like my type of movie. Mm -mm. All right. So, now we will move to Britt's type of movie. Uh, and the other release, big release this week, is Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, so, we obviously don't need to go over the synopsis of fucking Spider-Man. We've had, like, 19 Spider-Man movies in the last yeah, 10 years. Um, this one, of course, is, I mean, kind of... Kind of a new Spider-Man. He was in the Civil War, the Marvel Civil War movie. Which I uh, really Tom Holland. enjoyed his, his cameo. He was great. That. I mean, I think they really hit all the all the kind of Spider-Man points that you really needed to in that. Um, but what do you think about the trailers for this movie? And do you think it looks good? I think it'll be fun. I still don't know how I feel about the whole... Um, oh my god, my brain. Uh, Aunt May? Yeah, okay. Aunt May being so much Young younger. and hot. Yeah. Um, I actually got into this discussion online like a week ago about how like all these fucking fanboys and fangirls get all get all bent out of shape about, well, that's not canon. You can't do that. But the second they make Aunt May hot, everyone's like, OK. I, <laughs> no, see, and I still no, but do, most people yeah, are most like, people have you are, heard? But... Have you heard anyone get upset about that? No. But, you know, if you change what if you if you dare to like make a cast someone who is not the same race as the original character it's I the know, end of the world so so here's like i know it makes more sense for mm -hmm. her yeah, to be it, in her definitely. 40s yeah logistically but, it yeah. makes sense yeah but i just i still like i don't know i yeah. like you like old ma i really kind of liked sally fields as aunt may i thought she was great so she was great but i almost felt like she was like too good for the material yeah you know what no, i mean well, I where mean, you're just kind of like really sally like someone give this woman a role no <laughs> yeah i mean true but i'm just saying right um yeah so i think that's the only thing that i'm really kind of like about um I mean, other than the fact that uh, Michael Keaton is Birdman again. I was just going to say, like, this is my favorite thing about this. Is it's like, it feels like a giant industry in-joke. Yeah. Like, he played Birdman, and now he's going to play the Vulture yeah. in the Spider-Man movie. I think it's great. But also, like, I love him in comic book movies, so fine. You go for it, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they finally figured out Spider-Man's personality for once. Yeah, I mean, they really, it looks like they finally hit a good balance of, like, his personality as Spider-Man versus his personality as Peter Parker. Yeah. And granted, we've only seen him for, like, 20 minutes in a movie, so who knows how well they'll do that in a full-length film. Yeah. But here's hoping. Um, I like the fact that uh, apparently Donald Glover has a small part in this. Um, the one thing I'm worried about is I hope they're not leaning too much on Iron Man, because um, he's all over the trailers, yeah. you know, and it's just like, it's... It screams of like it's a Sony movie, but look, we get it. MCU characters, right. it's gonna be great. You love this shit. You'll love this shit too. And I really, I really hope that basically all that we've seen in the trailers happens in the first like twenty minutes. Of this I, movie. I think what they did is they they did they did that normal trick of like I'm going to take 
like ten minutes of footage and put it all into the trailer. Yeah, and I hope so. and then they're using that for the draw to get people in. You're right. Right. Um, because I mean, let's be real. They have really let us down with the Spider-Man tr- like trilogies and franchise in general. I mean, uh, I mean, I kind of agree. I kind of don't. I think the first two Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire are legitimately very, very good, especially before. I hate his face. Yeah, I know you hate Tobey Maguire. So do I. Um, but this was before, of course, like MCU was a thing, so it was like kind of its own standalone thing. But the third one is fucking trash. And I'll never watch it again. I like the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I enjoyed Andrew Garfield in that role. There were missteps, for sure. No. Like, but I enjoyed those movies. I, I I liked him. He was definitely better than Tobey Maguire, in my opinion. And much better looking. And much better looking. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, oh man, my brain is not working yet today. Emma... Stone, Emma Stone. Yeah, there we go. Jesus I'll Christ. Like, is Emma even the first name? Yes, I keep no, wanting to say Watson, and that's really bad. No. That's um, all eyebrows all yeah. the time. Uh, so like I and I love the chemistry between the two of them. Oh yeah, and like obviously the whole ending with Gwen Stacy was heartbreaking. Oh yeah, and they was I love the fact that they took that essentially that shot straight from the comic. Like yeah. they recreated it. It worked really well, but people really didn't like that movie. People people were pissed, man. Yeah, I just like yeah, but I still feel like Andrew Garfield wasn't totally getting the character. Oh, he was getting Spider Man. He wasn't getting Peter right. Parker. He was like too cool. Yeah, and I just think Andrew Garfield can't help it. Like, he's not good at playing a dork. Yeah. Because he's just not. Like, and he never has been. But this kid... He's got, like, a cool accent. He's this, like, this, no. This kid's dorky as hell, and I can't wait <laughs> for it. Like, yeah. I can't wait to watch him, like, trip and plant right on his face. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it, because I'm a big Spider-Man fan. Like, that was... Like, I was the never... The only thing Dave knows anything Yeah. About. Like, I was never huge into comic books. Like, I... You know, of course, like, every fucking geeky kid certainly went through a phase where I read a bunch of comics, but I would never call myself, like, a comics fan. Except for Spider-Man. That was the one thing that I really got into when I was a kid. Um, so I'm like, I'm kind of on board for most Spider-Man movies. So the fact that there's even one that I didn't like means that movie must have been really bad. Yeah. In my opinion. So Spider-Man 3 did not work for me. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this. But like we talked about this off mic. It's been, I mean, they've been, it feels like for the last eight or nine months they've been talking about this movie. Yeah. And I'm so tired of fucking hearing about it. that I, Can I see the movie now? And, like, to the point where I keep forgetting when it's coming out. That's, that's what's like, funny to me is that you keep forgetting. Like, we've, we've talked, so I took the week off, um, and we were trying to figure out what movies we were supposed to be watching like, while I had the time it's off. It's like, what's coming out? I yeah, and they, and we kept listing off, like, a couple of things. I'm like, no, there's, like, there's another one. There's another one that we're missing. And then, <laughs> oh, and yeah. then like, I look stuff up. I'm like, Dave. Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, the movie with a $170 million budget or whatever. The biggest promotion of any of these movies. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll both definitely be seeing that. Yep. Um, so we'll be looking forward to that. But the movie that we are covering on the show and that is coming out is The Beguiled, uh, which is Sofia Coppola's new movie, uh, which stars a lot of a lot of fairly big names. Uh, weird to me that Colin Farrell gets top billing in this movie. That's strange. Well, uh, sexism. Yeah, I mean, even though it's a female-directed uh, and uh, helmed and movie. considering but, how many actresses in that have, like, all these awards. Yeah, I mean, you've got Colin Farrell, you've got Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, Elle Fanning, uh, Una Lawrence, who was in, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie, but it was the boxing movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. Southpaw, she was in that. Andre Rice, who was in The Nice Guys. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of, you know, as far as white women go, they've got them all in but this movie. But the guy so. gets stop billing. Yeah. Um, so, I wonder how much he got paid. Uh, I don't know. Let's see all the salaries for this. Yeah, probably more than anyone, unfortunately. So I got a bone to pick with Sofia Coppola anyways. Yeah. So, um, seeing the trailer, uh, what are your kind of expectations for The Beguiled? Okay, so, like, well, obviously Dave knows because he has to deal with me. But um, every now and again when I take breaks at work, I'll just randomly watch trailers. Mm -hmm. And I watch this trailer and, like, I immediately message Dave. And I'm like, Dave, I need to see this movie. (laughs) Yes. Um, well, it's a period piece. It's a there's period pretty piece. costumes. There's there's <laughs> a lot of actors and or there's actresses that I enjoy. Like like it's Sofia Coppola, which generally I have enjoyed her movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was really really excited for this movie. Mm-hmm. And then Dave and I got into some very heavy political discussions recently. Yes. Um, because about erasure and race. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Because that was that was really upsetting for me. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's important to show that um, white women are just as capable as white men to be terrible fucking human beings. <laughs> um, and I feel like by taking those characters out, we're trying to make it out that women don't didn't do anything wrong in history. Like they mm-hmm. were just being 
compelled by the men that were promoting sure. slavery. Um, so yeah, and and I got really upset with her responses. And yeah, I mean, there's there's the real issue. Yeah, like like I haven't read the source material. I obviously don't know exactly how much these characters are involved. Right. Um, from what I read in articles, like like one one of them is a pretty main character, mm-hmm. so that's upsetting. Sure. Um, like her her excuse of not having. Not not feeling like she could do that character justice, so she's just going to get rid of it is upsetting. Like you have so many resources, there's so many amazing actresses that you can talk to, not only like to fill that role, but for I mean, they're still experiencing that kind of prejudice and racism, and they're going to have a voice that can lend to the character that's not going to be the stereotypical like docile slave aunt Jemima kind of bullshit that a lot of men put into their movies. Like I feel like she had a moment to empower a woman of color mm-hmm. and she decided to take the safe route. Yeah. And that, that's I think, cool. yeah, I mean, I could see, I can see why it bothers you. I can see why it bothers a lot of people. And we've talked about this. Uh, I still kind of maintain that um, if, if there's someone who I want to talk about race uh, and gender and the intersection of it. It sure as shit ain't Sofia Coppola. I just don't think, even with... An, no, a, that's fair, but they're never going to give a woman of color an opportunity I don't to direct a movie. I don't think that's true. Well, because the I one just, the one who did got pretty much nothing for it. What are you talking about? Who? What, are you, what movie are you talking about? What did she direct? It came out, um... Like, a couple years ago. The one... About either Martin Luther King Jr. You're talking about Ava DuVernay? Yeah. Yeah, she uh, she directed a, um, a documentary this year called The 13th, and she's currently directing a uh, like big-budget edition of A Wrinkle in Time. She's working. So if, you know, there, granted, there needs to be more opportunities for people of color and women of color in the director's chair. Here's what I will say about Sofia Coppola. Um, here is the only way I will defend this decision, is directors get all the praise and all the blame no matter what happens in their movies, because their their name is above is above the title, right? Mm-hmm. So they're getting all that credit or all that blame. So it is a real risk, especially right now in the current climate, for a white woman to try to tell a story of a black woman, especially during this time. No, I and, and I get why she doesn't want... I don't agree with it, but I get why she doesn't want to put herself I on that chopping like, block. Yeah, but like I feel to be more honest about that. Yeah, like I said... The big problem was what she said in interviews. That was kind of, not even kind of, that was awful. Yeah. The way she phrased that. Like, when basically what she said is, you know, this is is not a story about race, it's a story about gender, which is essentially intimating that, like, black women aren't women. Like, that's, and that's fucked up, like, beyond, you know, beyond anything. That is wrong. But, like, just based on the movie, I don't have a problem with her not doing it. I have a problem with the way she's handling it. And that seems to be a common theme with a lot of directors nowadays. Yeah, is so like stop just, interviewing just directors. Just stop talking all, all together. Yeah. So, um, that being said, are you looking forward to seeing The Beguiled? I'm mixed on it now. Okay. Because of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel very torn because, I like, it's still something that I would like to see. But then I feel like... It's not good for me to support that movie. Hmm. Okay. Because you'd rather support things that are more inclusive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. All right. uh, Anything else to add before we uh, talk about what's coming up next and closing out the episode? I have magical pony hair. You do. You have bright, bright pink hair. and It's amazing. And the neon unicorn is fucking awesome. You're like cotton candy. It's amazing. Happy birthday to me. Yep. Um, so, uh, the next time we do an episode, of course, we will be pairing something with The Beguiled. So we're taking a look at, I guess, Sofia Coppola's, like, most critically acclaimed movie, which is Lost in Translation. Uh, Never thought. Starring Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. And Britt and I, for her fangirl fixation next week, will be taking a look at Marie Antoinette, uh, which is another, Aww. another one, uh, what? Why do you hate me? Why would I hate you? Is that the one with Kristen Dunst? Yeah, but it's supposed to be really good. And neither of us have seen it. So you're gonna have to sit through it. Sorry. I might have seen it. You don't remember it, though. You just had to ask if she was in it. Well, because I was hoping that I was wrong. It's either that or we watched The Virgin Suicides. Okay, there we go. Uh, So Britt's really excited. So am I. Um, So again, next time we talk, uh, I will be uh, doing an episode on Lost in Translation with uh, 
David Tree from Audiences Everywhere, so look forward to that. And until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Like, like women I really respect online are like, this movie is a piece of shit. I'm like, oh, oh. that's not good. And these are white I ladies. These are not like, <laughs> right. these are not people who are dealing with the intersectional aspect of it. This is just yes. like white women. Like, this is supposed to be the audience. Like, Colin Farrell is a love interest for Nicole Kidman. You don't get any more white lady than that. That is <laughs> like right there. And they're like, yeah, you know, not great. I was like, Interesting. Oh, so I'm seeing that tonight. I meant I, I just thought of this. I meant to ask during the review, but where would you rank this mm-hmm. in Edgar Wright films? God, this question. I've been yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. So um, it's tough. It's another one of these things I can't be trusted because I love Shaun of the Dead like more than I should, and a lot mm-hmm. of it I think is because it's the first. It was my introduction to Edgar Wright to uh, into uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, and I was just like, yeah. oh, I love this, and I love it because I think it is a great zombie movie and a great comedy at the same time, which is really hard to do. Um, so I think if I'm being like as objective as I can be and throwing fuck, that out, fuck that. No, no. Just, if I'm being, if I'm, if I'm being, because I think favorite and best are very different things. So if I'm going best, I go. Um, no, no, no. I want your ranking. So your favorite. <laughs> that's harder. That's somehow harder. Um, so let me think. All right, fine. fine I think fine, no, no, no. Best, I think it's. Uh, I think it's probably. It's probably Hot Fuzz is still number one. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Pilgrim, Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, and The World's End. That's exactly my ranking, yeah. <laughs> That's not what they need. No, not at no. all. Obviously, they just needed to bring in Colin Trevorrow earlier. That's really... <laughs> uh, 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 God, I couldn't, wait to, I couldn't wait to say that. All right. <laughs> Uh, the happiest moments of my days are when I forget that Colin Trevorrow is doing episode nine. And then Dunkirk. Yes. And then I think... You and you fucking fake Nolan fans. Oh, at least it's short. Shut the fuck How up. How dare you. <laughs> <laughs> His films are so long. I still love them, but they are long. <laughs> They're insanely long. I mean, I, it's a good thing you're not, you don't go against me, because, I mean, that's a hate crime. You can't do that. So. <laughs> Just don't. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Gonna have the don't do it. Hashtag is, support is... POC pods after me. <laughs> this is black privilege. See, this is, this is what it, it was is. bound to happen one day, Brooke.